0: Love, Talk Radio.
1: last few months. Now it is what we like to call Tuesday instead of our Thursday shows. My name is Ian Eisenberg in New York. I'm going to be joined shortly by Jay Logan out in California. Parents Kids Music is brought to you by the Goldwaters Group and LR Records. This is a show where we talk about the relationships between parents and children when it comes to their music. Sprinkle cool, a little bit about other things in music and technology. So ladies and gentlemen let me bring in Jay Logan. Hello, Jay. How are you today?
0: Good good day, Ian. I am doing great today. I've had a wonderful trip, and I'm back in this nice, beautiful, sunny California out here. And uh, everything Bobby. is still cool. Everything's yeah, very sunny. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's going to the beach, and, and it's a very hot day. So it's wonderful. Everyone's surfing,
1: Everyone's partying. Yes, they are. Yes. Yeah, here it's very overcast. We've had some crazy summer rains the last few days. We had some hail. Maybe that was the last week. But yesterday, I had, it was a crazy summer shower. they were very necessary, and it just—it just feels good because it just—it's a summer day, even though it's one of those darker, gloomier days. But that's okay, Jay, because we have each other, and we have the internet. We have all of our listeners today. And we thank you very so, much. So it's Ian, a great show. What's that?
0: So, Ian, would you say it's like more of a Gotham type of day in New York?
1: It's No, it's not uh, Pittsburgh. It's definitely it's not like, Pittsburgh. Oh, it's, not. <laughs> cause it's not Pittsburgh. It's not Chicago. Because I'm sure, like, if any of you movie buffs are out there or comic book fans know that the Dark Knight Rises, which is the new, um, which is uh the new Batman movie that's coming out next summer is currently filming in Pittsburgh, where even though even though New York City has long been the model for Gotham City, the fact is that these last few movies just haven't been shot there. Um, <laughs> as Christopher Nolan chose Chicago as the place. And actually, same thing with the other big DC comic franchise, Superman, where Metropolis... Which I think in some ways is also supposed to represent New York City. That the new Superman movie is not being filmed in New York, it's being filmed in Chicago. And the previous movie, Superman Returns, wasn't even shot in the United States, it was shot in Australia. So go figure that. But yeah, I can see, it's definitely like Gotham City esque, like dark, like I'm waiting for that bat signal to show up so Batman can save the day. (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely something we could be doing here. <laughs> and, and I'm sure that in Metropolis or Gotham City or New York City or San Francisco, there's music being played. There are musicians who are performing. So my question to you, Jay, is, uh, Jay, I know that you were telling me about something, about a singer who you'd like to share with us. Tell, me a, tell us about our kid of the week. Oh
0: uh, yeah, well yeah, we um going to talk about this uh, wonderful little girl, and her name is Coco Jones. And Coco, um, is also I like you know I like uh, hot chocolate also. But Coco is from uh, South Carolina. I like coffee. Yeah, like, uh, coffee is good. I mean, coffee with Ian is great, but coffee Coco with Coco is good too. Um, she's actually a singer. And actress, and a rapper, and an athlete, and above athlete. everything else, she's an honor student. She's also an honor student, which is great. And she lives in Tennessee. And my daughter, of course, Janina, is the one who found her again. and Discovered her. She, she, well, yeah, she discovered her. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's correct.
0: Um, And she's very talented. And um, she's on the Disney uh, uh, circuit. And her father happens to be Mike Jones, a uh, former NFL player. So it kind of helps when you have a dad that's kind of famous. He kind of can get you and yeah. get these little clicks. That never that always helps. Um, she's on Believe Records, and she has uh, a CD coming out, and uh,
2: produced by, I think it's
0: Rob Gabus. um And they're working with her, and um, I just want to bring up to attention, you guys, if you want to know about Coco Jones uh you can go to Coco jones excuse me cocojones jones 1.com and check her out and also That's the you number see one her on, or
1: the word one
0: uh the number one she's, she's the number one uh numeral 1 and um she's also a guest star on a disney channel uh original series so random so you can either see her on disney channel's uh, so random show and she will be touring this summer uh well the summer's almost over so you probably missed her but very talented young lady. And, <laughs> very talented young lady. And you guys check her out at uh, Coco Jones, the number one dot com.
1: That, you know, Jay, you brought up something really cool about her and about some artists and just professional, like people who are just famous, where it's not some people they'll follow in their family's footsteps where someone will be a famous actor and then their kid will be a famous actor. But then you have someone like her where she's not going to where her passion and she's felt like the fact that she has a famous father helps but it's not like her father is it's not like she's going to the NFL and he's not a singer, but it's like that celebrity just bringing it on. I mean you can see the same thing with Hulk Hogan and his daughter Brooke where where it was actually really on his fame that brought her some success to the point where the entire family got their re- got that reality show, which then kind of killed the family. But that's another story. <laughs> the idea, but but it's just the idea of just having fame leading to new fame, even if it's not the same same business. I mean, I'm sure there are so many cases of the child of a famous singer or athlete trying to make it as big as their father or mother. Sometimes it doesn't work like Pete Rose Jr. He's Pete Rose's right. son. He played major he played baseball for years professionally. He was in the minor leagues. He he did make it to the majors briefly, but didn't have a big career on his own as a baseball player, but but he had success, but he had his father behind him, and that's, it's always a good thing to have family to help and just continue to make things grow and be famous and be successful, and also well, going back to, yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, you're absolutely right. Um I don't know if, if uh, it's good to have a head start. You know, she had a head start, her dad was already in a type of, uh, I guess, some type of entertainment business where he's a football star and probably had connections and if she was able to uh, put his daughter in the right place and at the right time, mm-hmm. and it does help. Um, but that doesn't, uh, we don't want don't want to discourage anyone. You can still start from scratch, and you can still have the same Absolutely. same <laughs> same effect. So, yeah, it it helps when. Um, I mean, look at look at Will Smith and Jada Pinkett and Jada Smith. You know, they got their their daughter, uh, and their son yeah.
2: who was the Karate
0: Kid. I know. mean, it helps.
1: And <laughs> it, it, it it absolutely does, and it's like you see the same thing with, as they say, going into movies in Hollywood, where sometimes it take, sometimes if a big name is behind it, it's the, a movie that might have not necessarily been made becomes, it gets in theaters and becomes successful. That actually becomes good on its own. Like I think the one of the biggest examples over the last decade was by Big Fat Greek Wedding, which the movie was made. Like, the reason why that movie was made was because Tom Hanks's wife, Rita Wilson, saw, saw saw the woman, like, do her one-woman show and thought this thing was great. And because she was married to Tom Hanks and said, oh, I saw this great person, like, the Hollywood studios said, oh, Tom Hanks is behind it, so we're behind it. And it became super successful. So that's sort of, they're just many different ways. Like, I always say in terms of being successful and being – whether it's being famous or just really having a good career is it's not about getting your foot in the door. It's about finding the door. And there are many doors to go into, and sometimes you don't even know it exists. Sometimes you might even need to go to Home Depot, buy some wood, get 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 a saw, and make your own door to open but right. there there's there's just so many infinite ways to go in there and just be creative and go onto YouTube and go onto Facebook and just show the world, hey, I'm here. I'm awesome. Isn't this great? That is great. And that's it, it's some good stuff. So so you know, today is an anniversary. It's a big anniversary. I mean it it's quite fitting that, Jay, that you have finally returned to the Bay Area after your trip to Utah and trip of going around the world, that you're you're back home for today because on this day in 1995, Jerry Garcia, the famous guitarist from The Grateful Dead, passed away, and this is the anniversary, and we have Tyler Curtis, who's going to be joining us in a few minutes, who will be calling in the show. We've had him on a few weeks ago to talk about talk about his experiences. And because he's someone who, he's, he's young, he's never actually, he never had a chance to see Jerry Garcia, as neither did I. But he's interviewed members of the Grateful Dead, and he's someone who has just been, everywhere in terms of just experiencing music as a child and just like going to concerts and going using websites and being digital and it's a very exciting thing we're just shortly waiting for him but jay while we're waiting for tyler like i jay i know you were telling me like a while ago that you were you worked with someone who once worked with the grateful Dead.
0: Yes, um, he was uh, he's a guitar player, friend of mine, he still works with them, and um, um, he he enjoyed it. They're from the Bay Area, um, they were just, a, I mean, anytime Grateful Dead they, they played here, totally sold out. I mean, people camped out uh, all night, and you see all the deadheads, so that group was extraordinary and um and they they didn't have a lot of record sales but every show sold out highly supported um, so yeah um yeah the, the the guy here that played guitar for them um, he's a he's a great guitarist and uh Michael Franks I believe his name is and uh, Play with them for several years with while Garcia was there. You know he was proud of that. And they had they had a lot of musicians on stage. You know people came they came in and out.
1: You know so yeah people they came they went. I know that they had they had a bad history with keyboard players. Right. Like a lot of keyboard players who toured with them had their unti- had untimely demises. But yeah, there were just a lot of amazing musicians who played with them like over, over those decades. And some of those things, it's got one of those things like it was maybe about a year ago where I personally started watching a lot of old grateful dead videos on YouTube and just watching Jerry Garcia and just, just his musicianship and his stage presence. And I was just blown away. And it was something which I hadn't gotten before. And, I've listened to a lot of Grateful Dead albums and concerts and bootlegs over the years, but it was like really like seeing him, even if it was through the magic of digital video on my computer, it it, it really just woke me up about, wow, like really someone who just had a very unique sound in the way that he played music. And it's one of those things where... I personally have had an issue with going to see further, which is a current band that's out, which which uh, which is led by two former members of the Grateful Dead and other other like Grateful Dead type bands playing Grateful Dead music because the idea of like listening to this music that he this this band created without him there, it's it's like a bittersweet thing. But Fine. we'll we'll talk more about that once Tyler comes joining in. Okay, excellent. Here comes Tyler. He's calling in right now, and I say right now, and here he is. All right, and are Tyler, are you there? <laughs> yeah. What's up? How's it going? He and here Jay Good. is uh, back in the Bay Area. Some, some to talk about today. Hi talent.
2: Oh, oh. Yeah, definitely there's something to talk about today. Um today would be the anniversary of Jerry Garcia's passing. Um yeah, 16 years ago. Um which is crazy. Uh I you know, I'm not like I I'm I'm 16 myself, so you know, that obviously I wasn't um able to comprehend the, the death of Jerry Garcia, but um, but looking back now, I mean, it's it's a date that that now I accept as something that will always be a big part of my life. Just because um, if that date never happened, uh, you know, I I might be on tour with the Grateful Dead right now, and uh, me too. And you know exactly. I mean, and and where would Fish have gone? And you know, it, it, it's something that it's catastrophic as anything is really. I mean, it's like the butterfly effect.
1: I mean, you know what? it's a moment in history. I mean, I was 17 when it happened, and I had never seen the dad, and I never got, just like you, I never got to see him. But it's like, wow, it's like just going on today. And I thought you'd be a good guest to put on, because I know that you've seen a lot of the side projects. I know you've interviewed members of the band, and it's like in, in those relationships, And those interactions, like, um, did you ever talk about Jerry at all and about the influence of people who... Yeah, yeah,
2: actually, I have a really cool uh, few things about that. Um, Now, uh, my first interview with, like, a big member of a band would be Bill Kreuzman, and when I interviewed him, we really actually didn't go... um, I'm actually going to pull it up now, but, I mean, to my recall, we didn't go into... uh, into to with Jerry, um, just because I, it just wasn't, you know, when you interview a, a band member after they're done with a project like that, you don't, you don't always go back and talk to them. But, I mean, about, about that project. But when I talked to David Gans, and, um, and, which is, if you don't know who David Gans is, he's, uh, he's run a, um, an amazing radio show called The Grateful Dead Hour, um, and he runs um, on XM, he's uh, Golden Road, Uh, you know, and there's so many different things that he does. And he's been a music journalist, and he's one of the biggest parts of the scene that isn't a musician, Um, as well as Steve Silverman, another friend that that wrote Liner Notes for the Dead. And we've talked about Jerry and just about how, um, you know, everything that is going on now really in, in the jam scene, in the dead scene really circulates. Um, uh, uh, around keeping the music going. And and just we all are very floored with how the music has lived on when the most influential or the mo- one of the most well-known members of the band passes away and the music still lives on. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, even Bill Kreutzman, Mickey Hart, Bobby, and Phil, they've all talked about Jerry, but it's more of something where now um, – you know, it's something that they need to focus on, just preserving the music, and um, and of course, they'll, they'll talk about Jerry. But I think really, it's been a focus on the music, um, from from what my take is. And I'm interviewing um, uh, Mickey Hart on Thursday, so I, cool. you know, I might I might mention something about you know the dead. Uh, I mean, about Jerry. But um, but you know, like I was saying, Steve Silverman and David Gans, just they um. They both, you know, know Jerry very well and knew him very well, and uh, and the stories that they've told me, um, just you know, from what Jerry and even you know Phil Lesh, just between The Grateful Dead, they were all they were all friends off stage, and uh, and that's pretty much the the stories that I've heard from people that, you know, of course knew Jerry. Yeah,
1: so, so like I know like we've talked about this the last time you were on the show about like your influences and your music of your music includes for, for your parents. So what did, like at what age and like and how did you first discover the grateful dead and their music in particular?
2: Alright, uh I don't know if I went into this last time, but if I didn't, it's basically um I've told this story many times. Um <laughs> me and my friend uh Zach, who is I would he's eighteen, so he's my age, um basically a little bit older, and uh, we we used to hang out and just play basketball and all, you know, just like friends, not musically. It wasn't a musical connection. But all of a sudden, um, we started just, you know, li- listening from, like, listening to rap music and stuff and, and started delving into, um, well, really the first band that really caught our eye was Crosby, um, Crosby, Stills & Nash, which um, it, it is just such a, a band from that era, era, just you know, the '60s. When you think of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you don't think of like you know anything else besides the '60s, '70s, and you know that type of thing. So that kind of like got me introduced into this era of music called the you know the psychedelic rock movement and folk music. And um, and really from there, um, I had said. You know, my dad always listens to this band called The Grateful Dead, and he goes, oh, well, my dad takes me to see Rat Dog. It, it, that was what my friend Zach replied with. And I'm like, oh, Ratdog!" Dog, so he looks that up. And uh, and basically, that just helped me understand that, like, this music, even if The Grateful Dead wasn't boring, the music still lives on. And uh, and from there, um, Zach's dad took me to film. Well, Zach's dad took me and him to film Friends, um in 2007 absolutely blew my mind. I, just an amazing show. Phil was on acoustic bass for the the second out of three sets and he just, they played tearpin and all, all, it was amazing. And, uh, and that basically, just everything that happened that night blew me away and I, I haven't looked back. I, I haven't had another favorite band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just been crazy ever since, I would say four years ago, it's just been a a constant obsession with the Grateful Dead. No, no,
1: that is
0: it. They had an event on Sunday, Sunday, um, uh, Jerry Garcia Day over in um, McLaurin Park over um, here in San Francisco. Yeah. Did did uh,
2: you check that out? (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I'm, a, I'm actually in New Jersey But I was able to check it out um, Online Because there was a webcast of it And the band that opened up Actually was um, was My friend's band uh, Jeff who plays in Further With Bobby and Phil They're called The Fall Risk Which is a really cool huh? band uh, Featuring uh, Jeff Harrison As I said um, And I think the guest was my friend Phil Savall who is um another really good guitar player and I checked that out and then Poor Man's Whiskey came on, another great group. Um <laughs> just I mean, you know, so many good groups that day. And then ramming it out with Jerry Garcia band with Melvin Fields. I mean you can't I've seen them before and yeah it that's like it, Dark Star Orchestra, Grateful Dead, you know, Jerry Garcia, Melvin Fields and J G B Jerry Garcia band, cover bands. Like, it's just, they're so good, and uh, and from what I heard, the, the day went great. Um, did you get to uh, go check it out? Well, I didn't get to check
0: it out, but I have some friends that went over, and they checked it out, and they, they said they had food, and it's just very peaceful, and it's wonderful, and uh, I think it's the seventh annual one. We do it every year, but um, next year, I'm going to check it out for sure. Um, yeah. I was, in, I, I was yeah. actually in Utah. Yeah,
2: ah. So. Uh, yep. But that I Yeah, I, 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 I heard that I heard that, that was uh that was really really cool. Um I just have another question for you. Did you uh you live in San Francisco, right?
0: Uh huh.
2: Um now have you heard anything about Terrapin uh Crossroads, which is Bill's new venue that they're building like over in uh I think it's Fairfax. It's uh you should check that out. I mean, that that's something that you guys could talk about on here too. It's uh, something that I could even bring on here. Phil's building a new venue out in San Francisco. That's basically going to be like Levon Helm from the band' his venue out out in New York. You can go see you know Phil and friends and all of these different lineups in a 500-person venue. But the reason why I bring it up today is because the whole thing is being built and um they're really trying to like use the community and let kids be able to use this venue and uh and I figure that you know I I'd, I'd let you know so you can check it out because it's definitely going to be something really cool. Um they want to make it a community a community center basically but it's going to be a concert venue for Phil Lesh, which should be really really cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you can, you, can, you can read up on it too. I mean and and, and you know it, it should be Should be really really cool for keeping that legacy on and allowing kids to you know also to allow kids to be in that venue when there's not a concert going on and really introduce kids to new music. Right.
0: I want to
2: see if I want to test some trivia here. Can you um,
0: name five of the Grateful Dead's original member lineup?
2: Uh, yeah, oh, wait, so it's Jerry Garcia, Phil West. That was easy. (laughs) Uh, yeah, 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 um, (laughs) Mickey Hart was not in the band originally, Phil Crudson was. Uh-huh, that's Uh, on drums, yeah. Um, um, wait, Phil West, Jerry Garcia, um, wait, was it it's either Pigpen or it's Tom Constantine? You're right, Pigpen. You got the right again. The keyboard player. Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> All right. And then, wait. So wait. Did I name? I named Jerry, Phil. Oh, Bobby. How did I forget Bob Weir? You got Bob Weir guitar. Yep. And on bass. Oh, I'm, I thought I said Phil last.
1: That's right. You got it. Good job. All right. <laughs> uh, it, it gets
2: really. You know, it, it gets really. um Tricky when you because people will say oh well Mickey and Billy uh, you know what, what do you mean and and people don't even realize that they picked up Mickey and Mickey left the band midway through the 70s actually because of like problems with his uh, his dad stealing money from the Dead so a lot of people when you ask them that question well you don't even realize that you know the the first few years of the Dead there was no double drummer and in the 70s again there wasn't a drummer for a few
1: years. Yeah, I mean, I mean right. Mickey's last show in the 70s is actually right in my hometown of Portchester, New York, at the Capitol Theater. And oh, later, oh, oh, please play there. I... Oh, yeah, yeah, Capitol
2: Theater is a great thing. Isn't that... Oh, wait. No, isn't there a Capitol so, Theater in New Jersey, too?
1: Yeah, there's, there are a bunch of different venues called the Capitol Theater. But there's, oh, yeah. I know the one in particular I'm talking about is the one in Portchester where the dead played played a bunch of times in the 70s, and and Fish played there actually a few times in the 90s. And what really disappointed me was that Trey's solo tour in 08 was supposed to start there. I had tickets for my hometown show. Then it was moved to Roseland. It was a good show, but it wasn't the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. Uh,
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because there's a Capitol Theater that's down, you know, not around anymore in New Jersey. I believe, Jersey City, and it was like, I believe, um, but it was like a huge venue, Jerry Garcia Band has played there, and all this different, you know, so I, it, it, that's, a, that's a venue that when people say the Capitol Theater around here, I typically remind myself of that.
1: Yeah, so it's like one of those things where it's like you're from Jersey, you think of the Jersey things, or... I still remember Saved yeah. by the Bell takes place at Bayside. I thought the whole for the first few years it
2: was in Queens and not in California. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you just yeah, exactly. Um, I got, but, I got, you, you, I got, a, I, got a, I got a question, you guys.
0: You know, and I'm a keyboard player. I I didn't get to see the Grateful Dead a lot, but I was wondering how much, a, how much a difference did Bruce Hornsby made making that band? Did he make a big difference when he got in that band, you uh, guys,
2: or? Um, I what I I I think that what Bruce Hornsby brought was um something totally different than what the other keyboardists brought, definitely. Uh, and everybody brings their own flavor, but at the same time, you had um, you had Vince and Hornsby playing the same show for, or you know, two keyboardists for a few shows, and uh, and those were more interesting, in my opinion. Than when okay. Hornsby, you know, but I personally don't like Vince. But I thought that the interplay between the two um, was, was better. And Hornsby is a great musician, but at the same time, um, sometimes what he, his style brought didn't fit with what I personally saw the Grateful Dead as at that time. You know what I mean? It was it was it, he brought something new that at now sounds great. But at the time, I can see why people were very um, – were, were either they loved him or they hated him. Okay. All right.
0: Okay. I was going Oh, was, Okay. Yeah, and, and, and
2: back to keyboard – back to keyboard, I just wanted to touch upon that, though, keyboard keyboardists, I mean, you look and there's been, what, like five Grateful that keyboardists that have that – have Died, I, or you know, yep. I, I think that it's got. I think that's the number, and you know, it, you got to look at that too. That, that's that's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, that you've got this curse of uh, of you know of, of keyboardists that end up dying, you know, in the same band. I don't I don't really think that that's happened before with a, a certain band where the lineup has lost uh, you know certain people in the band. And, uh, and
1: Jay, and Jay, you, you you should be lucky that the Grateful Dead never asked you to play keyboard. <laughs> yeah, that, you, right know, you know, you
0: know, you know that could have, you know it could have happened because I was um they were managed uh, working with a guy out here big time. His name is Bill Graham, and they were oh, uh, never of of auditioning. Well, he's a big you never heard of him. <laughs> he, You know, he, he's uh-huh. a big time guy out here. His, his helicopter actually crashed here in. Back in the day, and uh, he put on big concerts. But you know, you know, that's it's amazing that span from 1965 to 1995. I don't know too many bands that could go that long. You know,
2: that's pretty. That's a long yeah, span, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh I'm, uh, uh <laughs> um, No, I was gonna say about Bill Graham because. He's, Every time someone brings that guy up, I always just remember um everything that he's done for the concert business. There was no like concept and I'm sure you know this of fans going to a venue and like not renting it out as in they were hot, like they were hired to play that didn't really happen to my understanding. Bill Graham said, no, i'm gonna make a i'm gonna create a venue and or I'm gonna have a band." and the band is gonna go out and, and tour without having to rent out of the venue. Like this just what he did with with everything in that respect. Um he's changed the concert industry basically, uh you know, everything that he did really goes unnoticed too because now today it, it's basically um something that people forget about people that, that did that stuff. The innovators in music just sometimes depending on what field they innovated in, just go away. And I think, I feel like Bill Graham is one of those people because aside from deadheads, you don't really hear too many people really praising about, like, what Bill Graham really did because, you know, he only worked with the dead. But um, I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts on that was just regarding, um, you know, just everything that Bill Graham has done and and how the legacy lives. Because I'm sure you live out in San Francisco. You've got to have some sort of, um, uh, hold on on what people took you know Bill Graham as and and how he's respected today.
0: Uh, Bill Graham was a milestone here. Um, I mean, very open minded man. I was going to work for Bill Graham in the eighties, and I was I was called over there to produce a group called the Neville Brothers. And um, I guess Aaron Neville did. Yeah, I went I went over to produce them. I had a huge hit, and I was like the young, hot producer here in the Bay. So let's get Jay Logan to come produce the Neville Brothers. I think Aaron Neville didn't really want me to do that. But Bill Graham me over there. And when I learned about Bill Graham, I met him and talked to him, and he was telling me how his family migrated from Russia. He walked across. I think somehow he came across Russia and to Alaska to get here. And... Um, and I just thought that was amazing. You know that story that he was saying, you know that he uh, migrated from there and worked so hard to become an American citizen, and that he was he was he was tireless and relentless, and uh, he was so cool. And you guys, this guy, when you go to the concert, you expect Bill Graham to be, you know, a guy that's gonna like, you know, have bodyguards and you know not talk to people, kind of a little stuck up. No, this guy he actually went to into the art. He was awesome. He was awesome. He went into the audience, and he just wore these holy jeans. He's a millionaire now. He got holes in his jeans and old turnover tennis shoes, and it was so cool. You know, he walks, shakes people's hands. He didn't act, he, didn't, he wasn't acting like he was better than anyone. And I just admired that. I mean, I used to go see a lot of groups um, at the, the Coliseum here, and he was just a wholesome guy. That's what I liked about him. He was, he was reachable. He was touchable. He was human. And I can see why he's, he's he's really missed here you know he did change he changed the concert scene here they weren't doing those type of things they weren't they weren't having uh three and four bands and, and, and uh, on a on a concert at one time um they didn't have right, right, right. Kind of arenas he took yeah you know, he took the he took the football stadiums and turned them into concert it was it was amazing it just, this guy was amazing so when his helicopter crashed we you, you know our whole our whole community here we just mourned that and um we miss him a lot, you know. His sons is running the business now, but it's just not the same because he was innovative. The other thing he did, he had open offices. In other words, you know, like most most offices, you walk into their office and they have, like, um, you have your own office. This guy has his own office in, or you're in a cubbyhole space. What he did, was amazing, and one of my great friends, uh, John Walker, used to work for him, he told me he would have an open office. So everybody, when you go meet with with Bill Graham, All his employees are sitting right there with him. There's no secrets. Everything's right there. His desk is right there, and everybody else's desk is right there. So it was an open office. That was innovative, too. I mean, I don't know if they still do that, but, you know, the boss office was in the same room with his employees. You know, nobody – no secrets. Nothing was hidden. What a guy. Wow, yeah. I just wanted to share that.
2: Wow, yeah. And I I actually wanted to add something that somebody told me about him, that uh, he – that, as you were mentioning before, he used to walk around and, you know, you'd be able to, to most likely encounter Bill Graham. And uh, someone said that they were taping and were trying to get a stealth recording, and Bill Graham came himself and threw him out, the recording, you know, stealth. And I thought that was really, really uh, funny because, you know, just imagining the concert promoter, uh <laughs> You know, throwing you throwing you out for recording. I just I think that he had much more of a personal aspect. Today, it's run by like Ticketmaster, most things. You know what I mean? Like you go to right. a venue and, and it's it's but Bill Graham, I feel like did it much more on a personal level. That um yes, that with technology, that that feel is now being lost. Right. That's that's what he did, and he didn't put himself above the public and. I mean, you know he
0: loved the Grateful Dead. That's why we bring him up because that was his favorite group. You know, he started really back there with them and then and another group he was managing, uh Jefferson Airplane and this guy we never now. <laughs> 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 uh, if it wasn't uh, okay. <laughs> I know. If if it wasn't for Grateful Dead, I wouldn't even be here, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. You know.
2: So yeah, yeah, and, like and even, even be, more so. And even more so, if, if if the Grateful Dead weren't there, do you think Bill Graham, you know, well, he might, would, that, you Yeah, could, could go, go the other way. Yeah, It could
0: go the other way because they all started back in that that '60s period. Um,
2: you are, yeah, um, that and, is right. There were so many bands to choose from. I mean,
0: right? That Big Brother, and then, and then you look at you look at Fish and all these bands today. They're all byproducts of of all of that, you know. Even you know, there's so so much in common, you know. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's just amazing. The Fillmore district in Winterland will never be the same, you know. Those places are gone now, but um I think I they even had a um a Fillmore East in New York. I don't know, I'm not sure about that, but I thought that yeah, there was yeah,
1: terrible.
2: It it yeah, it what happened with the Fillmore East actually, uh is that it was um it, it had great concerts then and everything, When Almond Brothers, Grateful Dead, and everything. Um, and then it randomly got bought out, or, or it got, like, it turned into a bank, then it turned mm-hmm. into, like, a gay club, and then it turned into a, now it's apartments. And then the Irving Plaza decided to say, oh, well, there's no Fillmore East anymore in New York City, so we'll just say the Fillmore East at Irving Plaza. But um what had happened with that is that everybody rejected that which is really um which is really funny because everybody was like, you know, this isn't the film or you, you don't need people That's assuming Plaza. that are going to Yeah, <laughs> Derby Plaza, exactly. So I, I think like and that was like two years ago, I think they changed their name back to Derby Plaza. Yes they did. Was... Yeah.
1: Because it was actually something I believe that Live Nation was doing, actually rebranding venues all around the country as the film yeah. I'm trying to yeah, make the film more to into, this, into this national brand, and it, it just didn't work because they were taking established venues and just taking off their names. I mean, I mean, imagine yeah, exactly. like, I, if they renamed Madison Square Garden; it's Madison Square Garden.
2: Yeah, oh. yeah, and it, or like or like the Best Buy Theater. Like I just, and that's another thing too. I really hate commercialized um, names. It, you know, just in music that that really, really gets me mad because, um, you know, the Best Buy Theater just, you know, I don't know if that irks anybody else, but it, it, it just, oh, it gets me so mad. Because before it was a Nokia Theater, that's not even better. Um, and I forget what it was before that, to be honest with you. but No, I mean, you know, actually, it, it,
1: actually it, it opened as a Nokia Theater. I believe it might have even been a movie theater before that.
2: Yeah, that. Uh, you know, if you got, I'm sure. You, have you been there before?
1: I've never been there to be honest.
2: Uh,
1: the, it's a it, it's a great
2: sounding. It's like you're basically walking into a nightclub. Um, okay. That's how it is. You walk down. You walk down a so the stairs. There's like a big video screen that's like in the hallway. You walk down another, you know, five steps, and then you're in like you're in, where they're selling food and stuff. But you walk in, and like the way that they have it, it's like a three tier system. And if you go to uh, Trey Anastasio band at the Wellmont. It's it, it set up like the Wellmont in that they, it, the the sound on the side is padded. Uh, actually, the Wellmont isn't like that, but that's why this place sounds so good because it's a underground, um, and it's just like I guess something with the pressure or something among that because the place just sounds ten times better than if you go to like you know uh, another theater and. um yeah, I mean you should definitely check that out when you get the chance. It's a really, it's a really cool place.
1: I like it. Well, we, well, Tyler, we, that sounds great. And before you go, I just wanted to ask you because I know I've seen you've been using this DJ app on this new DJ program. I'd love you, if you can share with us a little bit about it because I really don't know much about it. Oh, Turntable
2: FM, which is it's um, still in uh, beta or data. I uh forget how to pronounce beta mode, uh, which means basically that it's not out there as like this is, uh turntable FM isn't saying, This is what we're putting out there, this is the final product. This is so that people can get used to using this um app and what it is basically is imagine you were going into a room, they had five um computers set up with any music that you wanted or gave you your music library that you could upload and use. Um, Among pre-uploaded by other people music and all all that fun stuff, um, imagine that you could um, have these five people that had these five computers set up playing music for everybody in the room, and everybody in the room had um, a device that allowed them to say that they liked the show, uh, liked the song, which would be... um, clicking awesome, or you can click lame, which um, if enough people click on it, it will skip the song. And basically it's just allowing people to really have listening parties um, virtually and with a bunch of different people. Um, And it's just a really cool little app that I see a lot of potential in because Humphreys McGee's um, sound, which is a band that – not everybody may be familiar with, but I would assume you, you know Umfries. Um, the sound guy, yeah, has has their own, um, wh- whether you like them or not. I mean, it's cool what what they uh, what what Kevin Browning is doing. He's actually releasing material that hasn't been released, like li- maybe live stuff or even studio stuff, and he'll occasionally drop something. Um, I believe that's what he's doing and and just. You know, you can listen to something that you normally wouldn't get to listen to um, if it wasn't for TurnTable FM, because it's just it's just a fun tool. You know what I mean? It makes, like, listening to music with different people really fun. And right now, I'm in a Jerry Garcia room, which is, like, morning Jerry Garcia. And I'm about to head in. Right now, I'm in a hidden track room. Like, I just skipped over. And you can just be with a different uh, group of music lovers and people with different interests But then, second, and be talking about music that maybe you like, you know, and, and just go from one type of music to the other depending on which room you're in. Wow. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's simple, but it's also very, very um, cool. You know what I mean? It's like got that effect that, like, wow, there's a lot of potential in this, and they're not even done building it.
1: That's exciting. And then, and I, you know what, that's fm for anyone who's listening. I can see that. Something which yeah. you can log in with facebook it's, I could see that it's right now it looks like it's it's an invite
2: only thing this but this f yeah, m um, right now is uh as I said in beta mode, which basically means that they've decided to um not publish it publicly not everybody can sign up, but basically anybody could sign up because you need a Facebook and you need to be friends with somebody on facebook that's already on turntable f m um if you you know if, if you have a contact email and you uh and and somebody that listens to your show is in friends with somebody that's on turntable f m and wants to um I can help them out just you know just forward you know just email uh, i guess the show i if you really need help and and i and I'll personally help you get on there because um it's it's a really cool thing, and I'd love you know for everybody to start checking it out because right now there's hundreds of so hundreds and hundreds of people that are in here, and I can't even see all the rooms right now.
1: Um, wow so. that 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 is amazing, and I'm like looking at it right now. Seems like it, it. Seems like I was it automatically let me go in because I have a I had a Facebook friend who's already there, being you. So I guess if you're friends with me on Facebook, you can yeah. connect that way yeah. too. But yeah, yeah and that's, so, that's yeah, Yep, so, Tyler, we, we're we running out of time, so we thank you for joining us today, talking about Jerry, the dad. I mean, this has definitely been a great conversation, just going with the past and the present and just with the music promotion and just ending with, like, just the cool, fun stuff on the Internet. So, Tyler, thank you once again for joining us.
2: Thank you oh, for having me, guys. Man. Thank
1: you.
2: <laughs> All right, I'll All talk right, to
1: you very All right,
2: well.
1: thanks, Tyler. Okay. Okay. Right, bye. 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 And ladies and gentlemen, that was indeed Mr. Tyler Curtis. And I mean, Jay. I mean, really, like, like look at like everything we were able to get into today. I mean, starting with starting with Coco, going into the Dead, going into just everything. I mean, Jerry, oh, what yeah, a show it's,
0: we've had. Uh, we had it's a great show. And when you get young people that listen to everything and so well-versed in the history of a group, you learn, you learn stuff that you didn't know. You know, he's really, really into it. That's why when we gave him the trivia, I mean, I was shocked, you know, because, uh, you know, just to have a young person just, he wasn't even born, you
1: know. Uh, I mean, th- he, th- he, seriously, <laughs> the fact that he was, like I said, I was not that This day in 1995, I was 17. I found out about Jerry Garcia by logging into AOL, dialing in. It was the top story. Like, I mean, he was, and the fact that he wasn't even, I mean, he was wasn't even alive yet to even experience that is, and to see see someone who just embraces his music and just everything, the history and one reason why I wanted to share about turntable Cable FM, also the present and the future. And that's why I like that, Tyler. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, this is amazing. Amazing guy. Every time I talk, he comes on the show. It's, he just got so much energy. And I've just, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've learned a lot just listening to him that I didn't know, you know, about the Great Dead. I I him out here.
1: <laughs> yes, you do. So what about that? <laughs> yes, Yes, you do. All right, so Jay, you, before we go and before I read our end credits, do you have any final thoughts about today and this wonderful show that we have here on the radio called Parents, Kids, Music? Well,
0: uh, uh, Parents, Kids, and Music, we like to send our hearts out to all our servicemen out there that lost their lives over in Afghanistan. There are a lot of kids over there that we lost on the helicopter over there, so we like to send my condolences out to those families and those men that's over there serving our country, and it just brings me back to 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 that how important your family is, you know, and how important music is, and and, and it brings you back to music is something that you can relate to your kids or your your, your grandparents as putting you in a point of time like a time machine. So I just my, my thing for the day is you know love your families, make sure that you have time spent with them. And always, a little tune will always make put a smile on your face. Uh, a song will always put a smile on your face. Make sure you have a good musical health in your family.
1: Musical all these, all
0: health,
1: was, that. without a doubt. Well, Jay, thank you. It's been an excellent show. Welcome home. The rain is now pouring here in New York. Uh, like it was dark. Know. It was overcast. Now it's just rain. And the Yankees yeah. are home against the Angels tonight. Let's see if that game gets played or not.
0: Wow. I want to see that. Huh? That's going to be great. Well, be careful. If you see a, a, a arc floating down the street with a giraffe in it, man, you know, just make sure it doesn't hit your car. Two giraffes. Eh?
1: Two. Remember, they got to be there. Oh, sure.
0: oh, okay. Two giraffes. That's right.
1: <laughs> All right, everyone. So, once again, we thank you very much for joining us here on Parents' Kids Music. Parents' Kids Music is brought to you by the Goldwaters Group, Ian Eisenberg. That's me. Jay Logan. That's you. Lounge Renowned Records and the Play for Life non-profit organization. We thank you very much for joining us, and we will be back next week at a time to be announced. So, Jay, have a good week.
0: You too, have a great week, and I'll see you next week, Ian.
1: All right, thank you, Jay, and thank you, everyone. <laughs>